I'm Meg Dahl, your Unbreakable host. Welcome to the show. Hey everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Unbreakable You podcast. It is April 1st, so happy April, everyone. As I'm recording this right now, it is March 31st at 7 o'clock in the evening, and I'm looking out my office window and it's a complete snowstorm. (laughs) And I remember that March came in very like aggressively. And I remember saying to my dad that it seems like March is coming in like a lion. So it'll be interesting to see if it's going out like a lamb, but It is definitely not going out like a lamb today or where I'm living at least. So anyways, gosh, we could talk forever about everything that has taken place throughout the month of March. I feel like it's been a really long time since we chatted last. Actually, these weeks have just been really long, but also really great. Um, I hope that you're all able to find the pockets of, you know, just like the good things that have happened this month. Yesterday, I shared an Instagram post about a lot of us joking that it's like March 90th today and we're so happy that it's finally like the last day of March. (laughs) And I totally feel that. I mean, I went to Phoenix, Arizona this um, month and there's just so much that took place throughout the month of March and it just feels like it was a really long month and, you know, we could complain about that or we could see it as like, wow, this month was such a long month, it felt like. So why don't we kind of see that as, wow, there's so many ways that we can look at all of the good. Like if this month was so long, there should be so much good within this month, right? So that's what I encourage you to do on this first day of April is if you can, just take a few minutes today, set aside some time today to think back on the month of March, whether you want to or not, but think back and just kind of reflect on the highlights, all the good things, because there has to be at least one really awesome thing that happened 
this month and you might have to put a spin on it, right? Um, A lot of the women that reached out and responded to my post yesterday, you know, even though they're not able to go to work and even though their kids are unable to go to school, a lot of moms are really leaning into that and being so thankful for some extra time at home with their children. Um, So that's just one example. I know for me, um, just having an online business, not much has actually changed, but I have felt as though the month of March allowed me to be way more productive than I have in the other months of this year. So January and February, I feel like March was definitely my most productive month. And I just realized that I don't need to go to the grocery store every second day. And there's so much, so many other things that I can be spending my time on (laughs) instead of just wandering the grocery store for something to do. That was kind of like an outing for myself. Um, just I'm, I live in a small town and going to the grocery store was kind of my highlight as sad, as sad as that is to say. But with all that's taken place throughout this month of March, um, obviously I've been staying at home and really only going out if I really, really need something. So that was definitely an eye-opening piece for me, for sure. But anyways, I just really want to encourage you to reflect on the past month and just find those little pockets of goodness that will be a game changer for all of us. (laughs) So before I introduce you to our guest today, I just want to remind you all that if you are a member of the Nourished and Free Collective, you have brand new content loaded for you in Nourished and Free School. So you can go to megdahl.com slash login and use your login information to log into our membership site and then get yourself into Nourished and Free School. There's three new guided meditations for you there. I personally recorded one for anxiety, so so a meditation for anxiety. I thought that was really needed during this time. We have a new yoga class up there for opening up the upper body. And then we have tons of recipes and DIYs, a new challenge for you guys. So calling all members of the Nourished and Free Collective, log into Nourished and Free School and check out all of the new content. And if you're not yet part of the Nourished and Free Collective and you're like, what are you talking about, Meg? I founded the Nourished and Free Collective back in 2016 when I dove into the doTERRA business and started offering this as a resource and a tool, another tool for my clients. So it is, think of it as your online holistic health center. 
And me, along with the other Nourished and Free coaches that have joined me along the years, we put together new content for our members every single month. So on the first of every month, which is today, our members get access to brand new content within Nourished and Free School. So that's just one of the perks of being a member of the Nourished and Free Collective, not to mention you have your own doTERRA account for an entire year that gets you 25% off all of your products. But those are just a few of the things. If you're curious to learn more, you can go to megdahl.com slash the collective to learn more or just shoot me an email at hellomegdahl at gmail.com. All right, so let's cut over to today's guest and the actual, um, why you're all here, right? (laughs) Today's actual episode. All right, so I have a really close friend on today. Her name is Jenny Soder. She is a fellow holistic nutritionist. And today we're talking about kind of like all of the things you don't know about breast implants. So my friend Jenny, she has an amazing story to share with you all. And it's just really raising awareness about the realities of having breast implants and what can happen. And Jenny also touches on how she has embraced her feminine side over the years and how that actually didn't have anything to do with changing her body and more about how she felt about herself. So I know you guys are going to love this episode and you're going to really love Jenny. So make sure you check her out on Instagram. She's one of my favorite people and you're just going to love her sense of humor too. So, all right, let's get over to my chat with Jenny. Hey, Jenny, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you on with me this week. I have been, I honestly can't believe it's taken me this long to have you on. Yeah, I'm pumped to be here. So excited to talk, especially about this topic, but in general, just to be chatting with my Meg. Oh, girl. Well, honestly, I talk about Enneagram a lot on the podcast. It's not an Enneagram podcast, but I love the Enneagram and I love you so much. And I just want everyone to know that you are one of my eights in my life that is like my protective loving friend and I just don't know what I would do without you you're just so my my four I think it works so hard so well together as friends yeah I'm an eight through and through Yeah, I know. I feel like it's such like a cool pairing. But anyways, I feel like you and I could talk about Enneagram stuff forever. But obviously, that's not what the show's about. But before we get into what we wanted to talk about today, we're talking about boobies. (laughs) Boobies. So before we get into that, I gave you a little bit of an intro before we cut over to our chat. But do you want to introduce yourself to everyone? 
Yes. Hello, everyone. My name is Jenny Soder, and I'm a holistic health coach. And I work with primarily women um, and specialize in the digestive field and really help people become advocates for their own health to really take um, some power back by learning the ins and outs and taking a look at how their organs are functioning from the inside so they can feel incredible. Mm-hmm. Everyone, Jenny is one of my go-tos whenever something goes awry with myself. I'm like, Jenny, actually, fun fact, I will never forget the night when I was first starting to get sick. This was back in 2015. And Jenny and I were friends back then, but we were just kind of like Facebook friends, you know, messaging on Facebook DM. Anyways, I was telling her how sick I was getting, like cyclically. And she was the very first person, I kid you not, that said, I think you have a parasite. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm pretty sure as an eight, I said, you have a parasite. Yeah, <laughs> that's definitely what you said. You told me I had a parasite and I like definitely like I wanted to, you know, like I started researching all the parasite things and I was like, holy shit, I have all of the symptoms. Jenny's right. I remember going to my mom saying, my friend Jenny says I have a parasite, you know, and then I did that initial testing and it didn't show up. And anyways, that's a whole other story, but you're just so brilliant and so wise. So you definitely are one of my go-tos for all health things. So it's just really exciting to have you on the podcast, but we are going to talk about your journey with breast implant illness and your explant and all related things today. So why don't we like back up to the beginning of that journey for you? (laughs) When was that? (laughs) Ah, <laughs> oh, that's a long journey. You know what? I, um, as I was thinking about the entire journey before we jumped on this chat today, I was thinking about where it actually began and, and when I first started to believe that I um, was lacking in my chest area. Um, and it and it happened probably when I, I first started competing in fitness and figure competitions um, back in, oh, the 90s, I think, when they first came out into Canada and I started to lose that breast tissue and I had momentarily thought about it. Um, but in in 2011, when I did my last fitness and figure competition, um, it was kind of like this trifecta of me moving to a new place, not feeling as great as I or grounded in my body and in my mind as I could be, uh, could have been. And then coming off of competing um, and the pressures of the judges saying, if you want to progress, you know, those thighs are great, but it has to balance out on the top half. Um, In not so many wording, you need some tatas. So, 
Um, and, and just being in a place where I knew that there was some highly qualified um, surgeons. So I got breast implants in 2011, very shortly after I made a decision to go in. And um, yeah, I think as soon as they went in, I intuitively knew that maybe this just wasn't the answer to me not accepting what was going on. And, and I was that person that didn't feel feminine. Like most people that make that change, I, I didn't fit into clothes. And even just saying those things now feels a little weird, right? It, um, because my language now is more, um, the, I wasn't tapping into my femininity and, mm-hmm. and that clothes wasn't fitting me. It wasn't that I wasn't fitting into the clothes. Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I had to change the clothes itself. So, uh, yeah, it's, and there's a lot in between. <laughs> my gosh, but how true. Right. And honestly, for someone who has always had boobs, like I remember being in high school and just feeling like, Oh my gosh, why are my boobs so big? You know, I've never had that experience of feeling like I had no boobs. And so it's really nice to have someone on the show to share like why, like obviously it's very obvious why people would get breast implants. They want to have bigger boobs, right? But just to kind of like make it really real for those of us who don't really fully understand because we haven't been there by you really feeling like I wasn't feminine and I hated the way that I fit into my clothes or that clothes fit me or whatever. Right. That's like really real stuff right there. So I'm so happy you brought that up. But also one thing that I do want to touch on is that when you did get them, put in you said like pretty initially or immediately you kind of had this intuitive sense so what was that like if you can go into that for us yeah well I I distinctly remember it was quite soon after in fact it was three days after I had had my surgery and um I was driving because I'm an eight at Graham and I was I was gonna do what I was uh, normally doing. And, um, I felt something not right. And I pulled over and, um, my right breast implant incision completely split open. So I intuitively knew that something wasn't right as soon as I came through, but then physically, my body was telling me, Hey, we're coming out girl, whether you like it or not. And so what had happened is because I had had breast implants under the muscle and I had, because I had very little breast tissue at that point, I was very lean, um, after competing, the muscle was just stretched so much that, um, the normal inflammatory reaction happened and all of this blood and all of this fluid went into that area. And it was just so traumatic to my body that the incision would not close. So I actually ended up walking around. The solution of the surgeon was put a maxi pad on your breast 
we're keeping it like that because it needs to drain. You're taking a whole lot of antibiotics, five rounds, in fact. And that incision was open for about 12 weeks. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Kate, as close of friends as we are, I've never heard this story. Yeah. Wow. It's uh, so that was the first, that was the first time and, and that healed and things kind of, you know, I would say got better. Um, but throughout that 2011 to, um, 2015, um, they gradually started moving and changing and every so often those noises would get loud enough for me to go back to my original surgeon and say, you know, something is just not right here. Like this one is moving down, my incisions halfway up, like what are we going to do? And every time I went in, there was just such a, in my thought process, such a ridiculous solution um, that I just left it and said, oh, maybe this is my journey. Maybe I just need to accept that this is how it is, that I just have these, what, what would be, no, what we would consider a normal breast, right? I got breast implants. I thought, oh, I'm never going to have to wear a bra again, which is a very common thing that people think, right? And, and that's what I thought. I'll never have to bra- wear a bra again. This clothes is just going to lay on me. It's going to fit. Well, it, di- it didn't for sure. And they kept traveling down and down and I kept having pains and I was never able to do a push up and I was never able to really function like I had before I got them in. Wow. So, so it was, um, yeah, the, the, those, the noises got quieter, but then stronger. And then, and then finally I just couldn't ignore it anymore. I said, this is, it's just not right. There's something, something is wrong. So mm-hmm. Yeah, I, t- I took matters into my own hand. And, and I think that that came from very early on in my life. Um, I knew that I was going to have to be the one to take control of my own health. Mm-hmm. When I was 15, I got into a car accident and I couldn't sit or walk or stand for months at a time. And the only solution that I was given was take these painkillers, take these painkillers. And then I started having digestive issues at 17. And the answer was just live with it. You'll grow out of it. You'll grow out of it. And so the conventional medical system really was not a solution oriented space in my previous experience. And then as I was looking and, and talking to my uh, physician, my general practitioner about the breast implants periodically throughout this time, I said, I'm gonna have to be a lot more proactive and, and educate her a little bit as well on breast implants and the information I'm finding. So I went with a post-it noted, highlighted documents, medical journals, and for months and months. Um, And then finally she said, okay, well, let's get you a mammogram. Let's get you a ultrasound and let's get you an MRI to see what's going on in your breast implants. 
And um, so I went to each of those and the mammogram was mandatory before they would let me have the MRI or the ultrasound. So I grinned and buried it and went through it. Um, and they found nothing. They said, nothing is wrong with them. And I was like, there is, like, I am sick. I am not feeling well. I can't mm -hmm. do anything. And she said, well, let me refer you to one plastic surgeon. And I remember him, I remember, and you can hear my voice cracking because it's, it's emotional. Mm -hmm. I went in to see him, very gentle man. He must be a number two, <laughs> number two. And he took look, one look at me and said, those, those are coming out. Wow. Yeah, those are coming out. They never should have been put in. They're way too big for your body, your body. <gasps> is completely rejecting them. I can see that. Um, and so I obviously broke down and said, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And, um, and I went in for surgery about two weeks after. And as soon as they opened me up, one of my breasts was completely ruptured. <gasps> and the other one was leaking, but not ruptured. And so that's where I began to question, well, why did that ultrasound and why did all of those people say I was okay? And why did that um, MRI and the mammogram, why, why is that okay? So that's, that's um, and, and for most people and throughout this journey, they're really, I mean, in 2017, no one was really getting breast implants. No, that's why I feel like I really wanted to talk to you about this, especially just because I feel like you're like in my eyes, one of the first people kind of like going through these motions. Yeah, 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 it was it was quite new and it was, um, you know, it was quite the journey to get there. Um, and for many people now, there, there's a lot more resources. There's, in fact, the breast implants I had are now recalled. Um, there's a ton of recall breast implants out there. Um, there's a ton of warnings and warnings that are on the pamphlet that were never shown. We are never shown in that consultation. We're, we're shown a one-page waiver and the possible complications, but... It's not just what's inside the breast implant that could be leaking that's harmful. It's what the breast implant casing is made out of, right? Mm -hmm. Our body's natural response is to create this capsule around our body to protect our body from these foreign materi materials in our body. So that doesn't matter if it's silicone, saline, because I know when I share my story, that's the first thing people say, well, oh, well, what kind did you have? Oh, well, mine are over the, the um, muscle. They're not the same as yours. Or I didn't have those symptoms. And I, other than me feeling like something was wrong and some tugging and pulling, I wasn't sick at that. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, it wasn't um, like a lot. Most people have breast implant illness before and then they get explants. The surgery and the flushing and all that material in, that's what triggered my body to get and to fall into breast implant 
uh, illness. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it was one of the things among other things, obviously my lifestyle before competing and hormone shifts. And it's not just one thing. It's not just the breast implants. It's, it's a number of things, just like everything, right? You don't get cancer for one thing, unless it's smoking sometimes, <laughs> but, um, it's, um, yeah, it, uh, it, my healing journey is still happening. I'm not fully recovered, but every year I'd say my symptoms minimize about 50% over the year before. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think it's really important that we speak up more about the dangers and and the normal response that the body has to any kind of implant. And this is not just breast implants. I mean, people even have knee replacements and hip replacements and heart. um, Like, yeah, yeah. my uncles, like my dad's oldest brother and my dad's youngest brother, they both have had heart transplants. And I mean, the body can reject that, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, And that's a good kind of um, thing to point out is that that rejection can be the same thing as a breast implant, whether you have those symptoms or not. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it can just be a nagging thing. And so, yeah, am I, I've gone through a lot, but, um, I'm so thankful for it. Mm-hmm. I never would have, I've never had before this, uh, the implants, I've never had skin issues, eczema, psoriasis, anything like that. I've, I've never, I've been grateful enough to kind of be very active in researching and educating myself and, you know, healing my digestive system on my own and with help from other people as well. But, um, I, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a, journey. What a journey is right. So I really want to make sure we talk about like what breast implant illness actually is and like some of the signs and symptoms of that. I'm sure there's a whole long list of like a variety of signs and things like that. But I just want to make sure we create awareness like we know this thing happens. But I think so many of us go about our lives, like experiencing those regular migraines or those regular skin issues or whatever it is. And do you have kind of a list of things that are likely tied to breast implant illness if someone does have implants? Yeah. Um, So one of the First things that most people usually um, experience is an immune system uh, breakdown. So that's that could look like for someone you're getting sick all the time and you can't fight it, and all of a sudden you have colds left, right, and center. You know, every time some, you're around someone, you get sick. Or it can also look like anxiety, right? You're having these panic attacks or tight chest. I had a lot of restriction and tightness in my chest, and I still do, um, because that is a reaction of the body that just does not 
um, your nervous system does not want. It's, it's pumping out adrenaline and cortisol, fight or flight. It wants to run away from those tatas, right? Yeah. Um, so a lot, most of the times it is unexplained by conventional medical system, number of symptoms, a cluster of symptoms. I was, when I had, oh, the diagnosis that I, they thought I had. So I was diagnosed with potent, with lupus, uh, with fibromyalgia, with uh, lymphoma at one point. Um, and then one of the doctors said, oh, well, it's okay. Cause the cure for that lymphoma is actually just to get your breast implants out and you have them out. So you'll be okay. <laughs> Oh my gosh, Jenny. And yeah, I just, again, a reminder to everyone, these were diagnosis after your implants were gone because that's when your symptoms really started to present themselves. Yeah. So, so most people it's extreme aches, pains, weaknesses. Um, they have one of the above aches, pains, weaknesses. Um, you know, um, I, at one point, could not walk down my driveway without sitting on the grass and taking a, re- a rest. I was just so depleted. Um, digestive issues. Um, they, my food sensitivities, they came back. Um, are, they're just starting to heal. Some, some are more present <laughs> than others. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I would say immune system fogginess, mm-hmm. tightness in the chest, uh, aches and pains. And most people will have all of the above. Some people will just have a few and then over time it will start building and building because the body's just kind of had enough until, until that's released. And, um, and another, you know, one of the more important things to note that a lot of people don't know is that when you have that explant surgery, it's really important. Um, and I didn't have this information. I was just lucky enough that the doctor was qualified in explant surgery. So this doctor did a full capsulectomy, which is 100% necessary if you have symptoms already, because if you don't get rid of the capsule that your body makes and makes and protects around that, and you just take the implant out itself, your body will constantly try to work to break that down your entire life. So most people actually have to go back in and actually have to have the capsule taken out after because they don't get, they don't get better after. Wow. That is such important information. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I have so many questions for you. Let's say someone is listening to us right now and they're like, wow, she is speaking right to my soul. I need my boobies out ASAP. (laughs) Where can she begin? Like what kind of, how can she start having that conversation with her doctor? And as we mentioned already, there's so many more like resources now and it's more of a thing now, right? I feel like every single time I go on Instagram, I see someone else getting their boobs out, which is wonderful. Um, I'm happy that people are able to do that without going through like all of these obstacles that you went through. But maybe you can kind of like walk us through some proactive steps they can start taking to actually get that surgery. 
Yeah, I think the first thing to do is to call your original surgeon and get the make and model, which sounds funny, of your breast implants. And then become more educated. Google online to get the pamphlet and the information on those breast implants. So that you go in with information and knowledge um, before you speak to your GP on what you have. Um, and make a journal of everything that you're experiencing and changes that you possibly had pre and po uh, post implant surgery. And then make an appointment with your GP and go in and say, listen, this is the information. Um, um, there's a lot of good Facebook support groups, breast healing with breast implant illness, um, you know, tons. If you just search, there's a ton of stories, um, for some emotional support and, and, um, and then go into your, go into your GP and, and just be very firm and perhaps do your surgery or do your research on which surgeons do a full capsulectomy so that you know which ones you'd like to ask to be referred to. Okay. Um, a lot of times that surgery won't be covered by your um, provincial, um, but sometimes it may be. So uh, just be prepared for that. But honestly, I would have paid for it 10 times over. Yeah. So worth it. Right. Oh my gosh. So, okay. Let's kind of move along and talk about post-surgery. So this is when we obviously really need to support our bodies. And since you're like my go-to girl for these sorts of things and so many other things, but what maybe someone listening right now is like, wow, I have my surgery booked or I just had explant surgery and now they're wanting to support their body through this healing process. What can that look like or what should it look like? Yeah, I think that I see a lot of this and, I, and thank you for asking this question. Um, I see a lot of women who obviously want to just really get he healing and get the garbage out as soon as you had the surgery. And the number one thing that I would recommend is let your body heal from the actual surgery before you even begin to think about detoxing or getting rid of or forcing your body into a place of just just releasing. Um, so for me, that looks like um, a lot of hydration, minimal exercise, just walks, get out in nature, um, really nutrient dense foods, um, supporting your major detox systems like your liver with at that point, just like herbal teas and milk thistle and dandelion and, and those types of things um, and get some really good quality um, supplementation in there. Just your basics, get, get the foundations down so that your body can heal at least oh, three months, right? Before, and then you, you really, every, everyone, you know, the, the type of testing that I do now really has been a game changer for my journey um, because it is so specific. And I really, if there's one kind of thing that I wish that I had access to before, it would be this type of testing because it's so specific to the body, right? And so I really suggest that you 
not try to detox this on your own because it can get really bad. I mean, I tried to do it on my own without, um, without having extensive testing, like the bioscans that I, uh, organ, uh, assessments that I do. And it went off the rails a few times because it was just too much. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I would say work with someone, a holistic health professional that can monitor you because you don't want to be thinking about these things as you're healing and detoxing and, um, kind of just helping your systems along in that repair process. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's all about maintenance once, once that's done. I mean, you're, you'll know, you'll start, you're start. I mean, the, the breath that I could take as soon as they were off my chest, I was like, now I know what it's like to have boobies. I don't want them anymore. <laughs> Seriously. Oh my gosh. And that's kind of like what I wanted to talk about now. So you said when you got them in, like initially, like immediately, right after that happened, you had this feeling, this intuitive sense that something wasn't right. So when they came out, like what shifted within you, like emotionally, energetically, what was that like? Yeah, for me, um, for me emotionally, because I had so much inflammation in my body, I had gained a lot of weight. Um, and still I'm probably about before I got my implants, um, in, um, well, I was competing as well, but I I've had about 30 pounds of inflammation come on. Um, and I know it's inflammation because as I'm healing, it's just coming off. I'm not I don't diet, ain't no meal plan, it's intuitive eating, but um, it, uh, yeah, it, um, for me, I totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, we were talking about what was it like when they came out? Like what oh, was yeah. like the shift energetically and stuff? Yeah. So energetically, I felt immediately like I was back home in my body. Mm. You know, it, it, uh, when they went in, I felt like I was, there was something always literally and figuratively in front of me, hiding me. Like I could not. And when they were, they were out, I could breathe again. I could, I felt like I could truly be me. And, and I think that personality wise, emotionally, it was just such a release. Um, and, and I could breathe because yeah. of that. And a lot of that was em- emotionally as well. Yeah. You know, the healing part, I expected to be a lot smaller than I was <laughs> and return just back to it. But I'm actually bigger than I was before, even as the weight is starting to come off. But um, yeah, that's neither here nor there. That's so interesting. But I do want to talk about like embracing your feminine energy. And I know you didn't feel very like feminine before you got the boobs in and then you got them out. And I know this is something that you integrate into your life now. It's really embracing that feminine energy and maybe women that 
haven't gotten boobs in um, and they just don't feel super feminine and maybe they have played with the idea of getting implants, right? Or those that got their implants taken out and now they're feeling a little like, okay, I, I, you know, I'm happy I got them out, but I need to work on that um, femininity of mine. So what do you personally do or any recommendations for our listeners? Yeah, honestly, now um, to put into words how I transition from uh, that that thought or that definition of feeling feminine then versus now is, is tough because now I feel like feeling feminine is not it's not a look at all. It's such a feeling. It's such a tapping into that softer side. It's a, um, you know, allowing other people to take the lead. Sometimes it is, um, maybe just, um, you know, doing something in a quieter manner. It's, it, it's so not, Sure, there's let's put on a dress and kick it up and stuff like that. But to me, being feminine um, and feeling that femininity is just coming home to myself. And mm-hmm. so I f- actually felt less feminine when I had those breast implants in, um, partially because they were just so ginormous <laughs> <laughs> that I always wanted to hide them. Um, so I wasn't embracing it at all. But um, I think that femininity for me, and I think that, um, you know, many others that have, that feel feminine at this time may agree that it's just a feeling, right? Mm. It's it's not visual at all. Oh yeah. So I, whether I have boobs or no boobs or thighs or no thighs, it's, or butt or no butt, which I'll, I'm always going to have a butt, but um, I feel feminine because I work towards balancing that feminine and masculine side. Yeah. And you join me on the dance parties too. That's a way to get in our body, right? Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh, you guys, you need to follow Jenny on Instagram. She has like the best sense of humor. It's just amazing. I freaking love this woman. And she's got a lot of great posts that I know you all will love. But I have a couple more questions for you, Jenny, before we wrap up the show. So if you were to speak to your younger self, that like 2010, 2011 version of yourself, (laughs) I see your eyes getting big. What would you say to her pre- implant surgery you are worthy of everything just the way you are Mm -hmm. and just give her a big hug yeah and tell her to look away from all the noise and just tap into your inner self Amazing. I feel like that's what we all need to do, right? When, whenever we're constantly like going outside of ourselves and seeking the opinions and approvals of other people, it's really like what the older or more wiser version of ourselves would always tell us is to go within ourselves. So thank you so much for sharing that. And finally, a question that I ask all of my guests, what does it mean to you to be unbreakable? Oh, 
Meg, (laughs) what does it mean to be unbreakable? Standing true in who you are. And I see that in you all the time, all the time. So you are living your unbreakable life. And thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story with everyone. I know everyone's just going to walk away and feel so nourished. So thank you so much, Jenny. Where can everyone find you and get in on all the Jenny love? Thank you so much for having me too. They can find me at Natural Living by Jenny B on Instagram um, or on Facebook at the same tagline. And we'll have everything linked up for everyone in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Love you. Love you too. Thank you.